You're listening to the Coach T Podcast, hosted by my dad. Welcome to another episode of the Coach T Podcast. My name is Isaiah Thomas. Hope you guys are enjoying this beautiful winter weather. It's 30 degrees, three inches of snow, no wind. So if you have kids, kick them outside so they can make a snowman or even a snow dog, which I guess is a thing that kids do these days. <laughs> so today I am very humbled to have one of my coaching mentors and good friends, head coach of the Bay City Western Baseball Varsity Program, Mr. Tim McDonald. Tim, how are you doing today? Good, Isaiah. Uh, pleasure being with you, and I know you're kind of venturing off into uh, non-wrestling territory, so hopefully we can uh, talk some coaching and looking forward to it. Well, thank you, Tim. I appreciate it. So one of the things Tim did mention, yes, this is our first interview with a, I don't say a, a non-wrestling guy, because because Tim, some people call him Mac, so it'll be interchanged when we're talking in this uh, interview, uh, is a big sports fan. Okay, He goes to a lot of the sports at Bay City Western and, and supports his student athletes. He's also been a teacher there for over 30 years. And during his time as a baseball coach, one numerous Saginaw Valley League titles, 12 years of over 30-plus wins, and was the head coach of back-to-back state champions in Division I in 2013 and 2014, which is still the only Division I program to ever do that. So kudos to you and, and, and what that was. We'll talk a little bit about those teams and everything else, but first thing, me and Coach Mack met my first kind of day on the job as a Bay City Western freshman football coach. Mac has been the freshman football coach for a long time. He doesn't like to say the number, but I think it's in the threes, like thirties. But <laughs> I've act, it's actually it's actually a point of pride now. I I, I, <laughs> I kind of was uh, sheepish about. Uh, oh, you may be, you may get interrupted by my dog once in a while. So. That's why it's live. <laughs> but anyway, um, this yeah, I just finished my thirtieth year, and I'm actually. I, I say that as a as a point of pride. I'm starting to certainly coach sons of former players, and you know you got to sort of take a deep breath when that happens. But um, you know, I I must enjoy it. Or I wouldn't keep doing it. So, and I I guess the biggest thing is I don't know any different. I <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what it would feel like to go home after school in the fall, just because it's always put on your whistle and head out to the practice field. Yeah. Gosh, it, it, it's, it's crazy about that. Um, <laughs> freshman football where we cut our teeth as coaches. <laughs> Mac, Mac was the first person I was uh, introduced to by our, our varsity coach at the time, Bruce Mann. And you got to understand when I was coming through. So I'm, I'm come, going to Saginaw Valley, about to start at Saginaw Valley. I had never coached football before. I played, I was a pretty decent high school player, but never coached it before. Obviously, I watch a lot of football, but learning a new offense and a new defense, and you have, oh, by the way, two, like seven or eight practices before you have your scrimmage. Well, I had a lot of things that had to run through my head, and Mac was such a gentle, guiding hand. And we actually got to coach four years together at the freshman football level. And one of the things I appreciate about you is that we could give each other suggestions about things on offense and defense, but for the most part, we left each other alone. And we had great communication about what we wanted to do in practice, 
what we want to do game plan wise, things like that. So I really appreciate that. You're a very well detailed coach. That I learned a lot from, so I really appreciate that time that we had as freshman football coaches. I do as well. Those are great memories. If I'm not mistaken, I met you literally the night before the first day of two days. I think it's coach, <laughs> coach, coach Clark's Clark. house, coach, coach Adam Clark. And so I, I don't envy the position you were put into, you know, being a, a first year coach, new program, you know, just like, I can't even imagine that, but you know what, we, we kind of navigated our way through that first year. And then, um, I, I truly enjoyed, it. I think we had a good, like you said, we, we bounced things off each other and we just had a, I think our styles kind of meshed, our personalities meshed. And, um, you know, I think, I think we, we did a good job coaching those kids up and, um, and had a good time doing it. Yeah. I think it goes back to, I still get kids from those teams that say my favorite part of, of playing football was not JV or varsity. It was actually playing freshman football and, yep. and the fun that we had and the lessons that we learned. So that, you know, as you get older and you think back about those times, it's just, it, it's, it's really amazing. And I mean, that was 12 years ago. I want to say uh, when wow. we first started coaching, together. Wow. <laughs> I had a little more hair back then too. <laughs> well, I think I, you know, I always tell my, my, my philosophy, like the freshman, whether it be freshman football, freshman baseball, freshman basketball, whatever, is to give the kids a good experience. You hope you, hope you, you teach them some X's and O's, but, but if nothing else, you want to, you know, have them enjoy the game and, and uh, give them a good experience and, and certainly, you know, try not to chase any away. And I think, you know, I think we accomplished that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So tell me, Mac, like I've talked about before, usually my first question is how did you get involved in this great sport of wrestling? But you were a, a, a top-notch uh, baseball player and stuff. So how did you get involved in organized sports, in particular with baseball? Um, my two older brothers, I, I'd say I, have, I had two older brothers. One was four years older. One was five years older. They were, you know, as far back as I can remember. They had a head start on me. And we were always playing something in the yard, wiffle ball, basketball in the in the in the driveway throwing a football around so I you know I enjoyed it but I think those two my brother Steve and my brother Jeff were certainly the ones that you know just kind of dragged me along with them and sometimes I'd play with you know all of their friends so I was playing you know competing against some older guys you know my dad was not a sports guy in the least he's from a farming farming family um I kind of look back in retrospect and it's, I kind of almost consider it a blessing that, you know, I did not have one of those overbearing fathers and, you know, that was a long time ago and things are different, but he just, he let the coach coach and um, didn't, didn't know much about sports. And so like I said, I think looking back, that was a blessing. So, so I played, you know, T-ball, farm league, little league, the whole the whole gamut of uh, of baseball, and I I played three sports in high school, and you know back then it's kind of interesting. I always think back and like, well, whatever sport I was playing was my favorite sport. You know, <laughs> I, lo I love right. football, I love basketball, I love baseball, but I think you know 
um, baseball maybe is a little bit like wrestling. You know, it's a, it's a team sport, but there's a lot of one-on-one, you know, mean the better man win um, aspects to it. And I was a pitcher. So when you're out there, you know, you hopefully have a good defense behind you. You hope you have a good catcher in front of you. But at some point, it really is kind of um, mano a mano with the hitter. So, mm-hmm. um, and I was pretty successful at a young age and had some really good coaches. And then, you know, it just kind of took its course. So, uh, so my two older brothers, you know, were my biggest influences on me, certainly as far back as I can remember. Mm-hmm. Now you went to Mount Pleasant Sacred Heart. I'm assuming yep. that kind of factored in your decision to go to Central, right? I mean, being right in your backyard. Well, yes and no. Um, you know, small school, and I had a you know a really successful baseball career, but I had literally few, if any, scholarship offers. Um, again, maybe it's one of the curses of being you know, from a small school, that's, that's sort of a strike against you. So it was kind of by default. Um, Central Michigan's head coach at the time, he was, he was just named the head coach and I had actually played for Dean Craner. I had grown up with a couple of his, couple of his sons um, in the summers and played with them and always, always did well. So he knew who I was and, but, I kind of went to CMU as, like I said, just basically because I had very few other options and, you know, so it was, it worked out for the best and he was an incredible mentor and, you know, kind of taught me the game of baseball, but, um, you know, if I would have had a better offer, then I would have, I would have gone elsewhere, but, Mm -hmm. you know, I guess it was kind of an easy decision in some respects once he did give me a an opportunity to play it was you know uh, a relatively easy transition since i was a hometown boy right right and you carved out a hall of fame career there and and an all-american career when you so after central you you did you have an opportunity to play in, in the majors i got drafted twice um got drafted my junior year by the tigers I actually played summer ball for a guy that was a scout for the Tigers. So he, um, I didn't have a great junior year. I had a a really good sophomore year at CMU. I was first team All-Mac. And that kind of a disappointing junior year. Just not a bad year, but just took a little bit of a step backwards. So it really wasn't a big decision to go back for my senior year. I certainly wanted to get another year of schooling in. And then my senior year, I had just the, the season of, if I, if I had to do it a hundred times over, I would never have the kind of year I had and just everything went perfectly. And I set all kinds of records and I got drafted by the A's by Oakland after my senior year, but I actually got drafted nine rounds lower. Um, and I didn't understand all the hows and whys. So I don't have a lot of regrets in life, but probably that my biggest, one of my biggest regrets is that I did not even give it a chance um, when I got drafted. And mm-hmm. that probably sounds absolutely ridiculous to most people. You know, you get a chance to play professional baseball. Why wouldn't you try it? But there was a lot of factors that came in. And I guess as much as anything, I was kind of bitter and confused about, you know, what else do I have to do to, 
to get a shot. And but again, if I if I knew then what I know now, I'm sure I probably would have made a different decision. But you know, I had another year of school uh, at CMU to to finish up my degree, and so you know, I don't I don't dwell on that. I don't you know spend sleepless nights thinking about it. But right, but I I certainly uh, probably made a a rash and bad decision just based on you know some emotions that were happening at the time but Mm -hmm. you know not too many people can say they've been drafted twice by major league teams so i can at least hang my head on that Mm -hmm. so you finish your career you decide not to go to the pros you finish your degree how'd you end all the way up in auburn michigan or bay city i should say first well you know mount pleasant's only an hour from bay city and i had played against bay city um, teams in the summer. So I was familiar with, you know, with the area, but graduated, got my degree, had a couple of interviews in the summer of, it would have been 1989 and didn't get, didn't get any, any, uh, offers. So I didn't, I didn't have any, um, so I was good. I was actually debating, um, whether to go back and get a business degree. I, I just, Again, you get frustrated, you get a couple of interviews and you don't, you know, you're not the person that's selected. So, you know, I had, I had some, you know, trying to think of my future. And then it was kind of a really odd coincidence that some some woman at Bay City Central retired nine weeks into, into the school year. Mm-hmm. And so, again, I think there, there's there's a somebody's got a bigger plan because I would just I was just into the placement director at CMU which, who I had known because his his wife was a, an English teacher that I had at Sacred Heart and he was the placement director so I had just been in his office and just asked him I was talking to him about a possible you know career change and just I'm like I'm not sure if teaching's you know gonna be what I want he goes no no you need to hang on don't give up you're gonna be a good teacher and like literally the next week he got a call from Bay City. They needed an English teacher, and obviously, I was fresh in his mind. So mm-hmm. he uh, he kind of got me a you know an interview, and so I came into teaching nine weeks into the school year. It was like end of October, and I taught for uh, three marking periods at Bay City Central my first year. Uh huh. Wow. And then, and then you then the next year you end up at Western, right? Yeah, because that's and again this is just weird circumstances. But so 1990 was the year that Bay City consolidated from three high schools to two high schools. So they closed Bay City handy, and so basically every teacher was kind of thrown in a pool, and you kind of you know based on seniority got to pick your um, where you wanted to teach. And so there was a whole mass shuffling of teachers and I was kind of left with whatever was left over. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I got transferred over to Bay City Western. I enjoyed Bay City Central. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, your first job, you don't know any different. Right. It was kind of a culture shock going from little Mount Pleasant Sacred Heart <laughs> to Bay City Central, you know, right. Parochial school to a big public school. And, but I enjoyed my, my first year teaching there. So if I would have been back at Bay city central, I would have, I would have not thought anything of it, but uh, I got transferred to Western and then, you know, 32 years later, I'm 
still uh, walking through <laughs> those same doors. Talking through the same doors, still most of the same teachers still there that you were there when you began teaching. So, oh, very, very few, if any. Oh, you. I, 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 I think I'm high in seniority. Um, I always say I'm not. I'm not the oldest teacher at Western, but I do think <laughs> I, I've got the most years. I, so. I would say so. Um, you know, we can always go through the yearbook and kind of figure all those numbers out. What do you think is the benefits of being in the building that you uh, you teach at and coach? How's that beneficial towards a coach? Yeah, I can't I can't imagine not being in the building and, and having to, you know, nowadays with social media and cell phones, it's a little easier. But I think, you know, way back when when I first started coaching, if I wasn't in the building, I, I can't even imagine how you would you know, have lines of communication with kids and, and parents. And I, I just, I just think that would be a, you know, coaches have done it and, and done it successfully, but I just think it's one that will be, that would be one huge hurdle that, um, that you'd have to overcome. You know, it's, it's just so easy to walk down the hall or, or call a kid down or see a kid at lunch or have meetings after school. And so, you know, just, not just the convenience part of it, but, you know, just, you know, and, and vice versa. Kids can come seek you out if, if they need to talk to you about whether it's a, a little or a big thing. So I know you and I have talked about, you know, that was one of the challenges for you was, mm-hmm. you know, not being in the building. And, you know, I guess you, you find ways to try to make it work. But I think that's a there's no two ways about it. That's just makes it more challenging. Yeah. And not saying that you can't do it and, and people have had right. success, like you said before, but it is one, I mean, with all the things as a head coach, there's a list of things taking that one off your plate uh, makes it a little bit easier, but, um, but I digress. It, it, what was it like as you're, you're the head varsity coach and you've been there for, for so long, you've had those opportunities throughout your earlier career where you guys were knocking on the door of making it to a state finals appearance. In fact, I mean, I've heard this multiple times and I believe it's true. You probably have the toughest district in the state of Michigan um, with the four or five teams that are usually in there. They usually, whoever wins that district usually makes a run towards the state finals. Um, what was it like just kind of building towards that always knocking on the door, but not quite getting there. Yeah, there was, you know, my, my first year coaching varsity uh, baseball at Weston was 1993. And, you know, we came close to winning Valley Championships, couldn't get over the hump. And, you know, we had some some really close and heartbreaking losses in the district tournament. And exactly what you said, you know, when you're facing Midland, Midland Dow, Mount Pleasant, you know, Bay City Central had some good teams. Um once Saginaw Heritage became a, a high school, you know, those are, those are all good baseball schools and, you know, full of tradition and, and Bay city, you know, Bay city is a baseball town. So, um, so I stepped into a good, to a good spot, you know, I'm, I'm grateful and blessed that I landed at a place where, you know, it wasn't like I had to, to build a program from nothing, but you know, there's just so many little, you know, you need a few breaks and I, I think sometimes there's just some things that are out of your control. You know, sometimes it's just dumb luck uh, that works against you. But, 
you know, when, when you have some of those tough, disappointing losses and, you know, you ask yourself, you know, what am I not doing or what can I do better or just, and then, um, again, it, it comes down to players. You just have to have maybe the right players come in at the right time that buy into what you're trying to do. And I think once, once we got over that hump in 1998, we won our first Valley championship and, and won 30 games, um, you know, I, I thought I was a good young coach, but again, you're always kind of reevaluating and, and trying to find, you know, something that, that you can do better. But I just said the right, the right kids come along in, the, in a talented group and, you know, just a group that were baseball diehards. And I think once, once we got over the hump with some Valley championships and then eventually we broke through with our first district championship, which took a while, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but even some of my best teams didn't make it out of the district. And that's just like what you said, you know, and that's, there's no shame in losing to the Midlands and Midland Dows and Mount Pleasant. That's for sure, because you're exactly right. There have been uh, every one of those schools has made runs to what used to be Battle Creek and now is East Lansing. So, um, and I think they feel the same way about Bay City Western. I think they know that, you know, at some point they're going to have to go through us. And um, so that's, and that's never going to change. It hasn't changed. I don't expect (laughs) it to change. No, I don't, I don't see that changing very, very much. If, if ever, who knows, maybe they're waiting for you to retire and they're like, all right, we're going to change it now. We're going to put this team or that team in there. Well, then they may have to wait a few more, few years longer. I had a, I had a parent (laughs) meeting before Christmas and I, did a few intro things and and I said I, I got good news and bad news I said um I keep everybody you know I guess you get to be my age and they start asking you know when are you going to retire there's rumors that start start that I'm going to retire and I've not started any of those rumors I've not mm-hmm. mentioned it so I I told my parents I said I'm I'm going to retire from teaching sometime in the near future but I said you know, even when I do that, I, I do my plan right now is still to continue coaching. So I said, for some of you, maybe that's good news. And for some of you that are waiting to kick the old guy out, <laughs> they, they might be stuck with me a little longer. <laughs> I like the way you framed that. I might have to use that, that line in 25, 30 years when, when I decide to, to hang up the, uh, the, the clipboard or whistle, or I should say yeah. the, uh, the pen or pencil or the, the whiteboard. So it's the yeah. dry race markers. I've got former players that, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got a few in the program right now. They, they played for me. The parent, the dads played for me back in the nineties and now they've got sons coming through school and, and I've got a couple other former players that have kids that are younger. And so they're like, how much longer are you going to coach Mac? And I'm like, ah, so I, I can't give you a number. And they're like, well, they said, I hope you'll be around to coach my son. And I'm like, how old's your son? Well, he's four. <laughs> I said, I might be in a walker by the time I'm coaching your son. But, but it's, it's, I, it's probably not out of the realm of possibilities. I, I still enjoy it and I don't, I don't know any difference. So, right. Um, um, you're going to be a coach O'Keefe from Grand Ledge who coached. Yeah. Well, time. that wouldn't be a bad thing. Cause he's, yeah. he's, uh, he was a good man and uh, certainly a legend. Yeah. Yeah. For those that don't know, coach O'Keefe, uh, coach at Grand Ledge for 
God, 50 years? I mean, he coached their baseball a long time. He coached football for a little bit, led them to their yep. uh, state championship in 2000. And yep. uh, I believe he's the all-time winningest coach in the state. Second. Somebody, <laughs> guy from Larry Tuttle from Blissfield passed him okay. by. But there there anyway. you go. Yes. And <laughs> that's another one. Another legend up there. Um, but you're right. It was, it was literally 40-plus years. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and those, you know, those Guys and guys like me, I guess, you know, are, are fewer and fewer of us that stay around that long, you know, just to, you know, for various reasons. So, um, you know, dinos- dinosaurs like me. <laughs> <laughs> Still got the big box cell phones and everything else. So <laughs> <All right. laughs> uh, I got a couple more. So 2013, 2014. You guys go back to back, and I I was very honored to be like at Western at the time when you guys because we had a couple of those kids on our wrestling team or I coached them in freshman football with you, yeah. And when I did my student teaching, I had some of them in my drama class, and, and they were very good. They did a very good job. They always had their work in on time. It was impeccable. What was that kind of like going knowing that coming in that you had a pretty good team, and then the fact that you might be able to do it again the next year. Well, the, the 2013 team, I think, was one that it's, it's one of those groups, the, the senior group that when they came in as freshmen, you know, it, everybody knew it was a, just one of those groups that had done well all the way up. So, um, you know, a lot of things can happen. But we won, the, we, we won the Valley in 2012, tied for the Valley with Midland, but got beat in the district, I think, by Midland. So when we came into 2013, it wasn't like we had made a run the previous year. You know, I think that was a group that still, you know, had a lot to prove. But holy cow. I mean, that was just a magical season. We lost our first game uh, to Tecumseh, um, won eight or nine in a row, and then Midland beat us. And then we won our last 35 consecutive games, which is which is ridiculous when you, when you, you know, you, you get into the season and it, it goes so fast and you're mm-hmm. sort of just engrossed in the day-to-day preparation. So you didn't, mm-hmm. you know, maybe that's not a bad thing that you don't get a chance to think about it too much, but that was just a group that was kind of destined to, to, to make a run all the way. And, and we went through, we went through the gauntlet to get there. We had to beat Midland in the district again quarterfinals we had to beat Rockford and Rockford's you know as good as there is in baseball semifinals was Sterling Heights Stevenson which had won a state title a couple years previous to that and then the final was Brother Rice so you know we we didn't take the easy route but that (laughs) that team just they were just winners they were competitors they were a really mature group and again they were a senior a senior dominated team we had 10 seniors and seven of them that started and we had Brett Adcock who ended up going to Michigan and got drafted. So we had a, we had a top line guy out there as a pitcher, but it was just, they were an easy group to coach, Uh, you know, as talented as they were, whatever you asked them to do, whatever they had to sacrifice for the betterment of the team, they would do. So we finished 42 and two and just again, an unbelievable um, run. And then the cupboard was dry the next year. You know, 2014, we lose 10 seniors, seven starters. 
I brought up five sophomores, um, good, good young players, but that, so the, the two state championship teams couldn't have been more different. You know, mm-hmm. the 13 team was just a veteran team, a lot of experience and the 2014, we got off to a good start. And then I think, again, it was just, maybe it was a carryover from the previous year. That's not anything that, you know, we didn't talk about state championships and, you know, preseason goals just because there was so many new faces. But, man, they just found a way to win, and the sophomores got better and better, and they kind of played, you know, with no fear. And mm-hmm. in the state championship game, I think we started four sophomores. So, you know, it wasn't one of those back-to-back runs where you have, you know, six guys that were, you know, holdovers. We had, a, I think, two two returning starters. And uh, mm-hmm. so the they were both very gratifying in different ways, you know, right. and, and, um, but, and, and, and it was also cool because in 2013, our softball team made a run all the way to the state championship and they got beat two to one, just a heartbreaking loss. They got beat in this. So we would have been, you know, baseball and softball team would have been both champions. And then 2014, uh, they also, uh, won the state championship. So Western is only the third school in Michigan history to win softball and baseball in the same year, which that made it even more cool to have, yeah. to be able to enjoy it with, with the softball team and go watch each other play. It was, it was really cool. Yeah. And, and a lot of those softball girls uh, did a great job, went on play at the next level. And it was a, it was a very cool time, you know, to be a part of, of that and to see the growth of those programs. So this is the part of the, the podcast where we ask, like, what is your advice to those coaches that are trying to get into, um, they want to be successful? What is your advice to them? What should they do? Um, well, I think one thing, and, and you and I have talked about this, and I think it's sort of a, um, a background of your podcast, is I think you need to, to seek out and and try to, you know, talk to people and just soak in and be a sponge as much as you can. Um, you know, I think probably young coaches, every young coach comes into it with, you know, have hopefully having confidence and thinking that they know the game or they know the sport. Um, but I think just, just a willingness to learn. Um, probably one of the things that, Every, every coach, if, if, if we're all honest with ourselves, you know, there's certain things that you can't control. Um, so, you know, you always talk about controlling the controllables. So, you know, whatever your philosophy is, what are your beliefs? And, and, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to coach and you want to be in it for the long haul, I mean, you have to have know who you are and try to have an identity and just, you know, try not to be someone that you're not, because if you're constantly, you know, trying to please other people it's, it's kind of easy for me to say now that i've been doing it for a long time because <laughs> right. you know like it or not i i am who i am but i think even as a young coach um you know i i had had a lot of success as a player and so i think there was a little bit of street cred that i had gotten because of that but as a young coach you're going to be tested and challenged by by parents and even players and you know, you got to be able to stick to your guns and, you know, you got to have faith in, in what your vision is. 
um, and be willing to adapt. Uh, you know, I think I'm a, a different coach than I was when I started. And I don't want to say kids are necessarily different. I do think parents are drastically different. And that's something that every coach, young or old, has got to be able to, to deal with. You got to pick your battles with parents. Um, but I think if parents see that you invested in their kid and, and you know, you're never going to make every parent happy. But I think if, uh, if they know that, you know, you can be trusted to, you know, to push their, their son or daughter and teach them the game, um, you know, but if you're a good, hopefully a person of high character, I think that's the most important thing. Most definitely. Well, well said, Tim. I appreciate having you on the podcast. I've been trying to get you for a while, and I know it was kind of nip and tuck. You're you're pretty pretty high demand guy these days, so I uh, appreciate you being on and giving advice to these young coaches. And you know, like we were talking about before, coaching and building programs are very similar. The only difference is what sport is in. So these the the nuggets of wisdom that you're passing on will be very helpful for those young coaches that are looking to break through and have success and what that success looks like um, to them, what they want the success to look like for themselves and for the program. So I well, appreciate I, having you. I appreciate, yeah, I appreciate the opportunity, Isaiah. And I know we didn't, we didn't talk any wrestling and, but I do want to, I do want to kind of go on the record and saying that, you know, I've wrestling is a sport that when I was at Sacred Heart, we didn't have wrestling, you know, way too small to have a wrestling program. So when I got to Bay city, I probably haven't been to as many wrestling meets as I wish I would have, but every time I go to a wrestling meet, it is a, it is a unique experience. I mean, wrestlers, wrestlers are a different breed. And, and I mean that in a good way, you know, they, they sacrifice and have to put themselves through things that I don't think you can really compare to any other athletes. So, you know, I love the sport of wrestling. I don't even pretend to be even a novice at it. Um, <laughs> I hear a few of the little, you know, moves and slogans and this and that. And I've, you know, I, I've coached some wrestlers. I've got quite a few wrestlers that I have in class and, um, but they are a tough, you know, a tough, hard nosed breed of athletes. So I know we, like I said, we didn't even hardly touch on the topic of wrestling, but I did want to say that I have a lot of respect for wrestlers and wrestling coaches because you guys, again, you're, you deal with things that none of the rest of us can relate to. And um, so anyway, that was my, my little <laughs> one minute blurb on wrestling that, that I think I'm confident in saying so, but I appreciate the opportunity to talk, talk coaching with you and catch up with you and, and certainly uh, keep our friendship alive. Yes. 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 Now I got to start planning for a party. One of these, one of these days to celebrate your amazing success when you decide to retire in 25 years. So, well, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll let you talk to my agent. My wife is my agent. So <laughs> you'll have to go through her. <laughs> It'll be big fireworks, the whole nine. So we have right, a guy right. juggling knives. So, okay. I'll, I'll hold you to that. <laughs> All right, Tim, much respect and have a great new year, okay? Okay, thanks, Isaiah. Appreciate it. Yep. Thank you for listening to the Coach T Podcast by my dad.